Welcome back to Wildest Kruger Stories, a podcast series where we're covering photography, wildlife, and conservation as a whole, and some pretty epic stories along the way. Um, today, it's just myself and a special guest. Unfortunately, Carolina is tied up in uh, on some various projects in Sweden, but I have a repeat guest with me, Christopher Schumann. Uh, welcome back to Wildest Kruger Stories. Whoop, whoop. Thanks, Crunkles. Nice to be uh, back on this podcast and on this channel, and uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Um, Crunkles is a nickname that I've got um, from from Chris. We should probably make that clear, yeah. Yes. So that is that's Craig Reed that we're talking about. <laughs> uh, Chris, always good to have you back, mate. Um, uh, last episode you were on the podcast was the beginning of the year. You were going through a very nervous time um, in 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 kind of your career. There was a big transition as you taking over a very lead role um, at a training academy. And just to catch you guys up, if you did miss that episode, in January, Chris took over Campfire Training Academy as the principal instructor. And we spent a bit of time chatting about how nervous he is, how much of a big challenge it's going, managing that and having to manage a business. And I'm just wanting to get his insights and get get caught up on just how how, how that worked out. Hopefully get, get your insight on a couple of cool stories uh, that you shared with your with your students and um, uh, see how you have managed to run the business and be the principal instructor at Campfire Training Academy. Yeah, thanks, Craig. So, yeah, it's been a very interesting journey so far. I must say, all in all, a great success. Um, to start off with the academy side, I did start uh, shortly after our, our last podcast in January. I started with uh, eight students doing an NQF2, so that's your entry-level guiding uh, course that you do there at Campfire Academy. So I ran that for the first time and you're quite right. There was a bit of nerves flying around. I haven't uh, done those books or covered those books <laughs> in what, 12, 13 years. So it was a bit of a recap having to go back and uh. plan the lectures and <laughs> make sure that, you know, I know exactly what I'm talking about because it is very different to guiding, which I've now also noticed uh, where people obviously ask a lot of questions and are very curious about what's around in this environment. So yeah, what an experience really went well um, that was a 90-day course so it was 90 days full-on uh, with the students from the morning till the evening pretty much so very hands-on uh, but we really do start forming a bit of a tribe over this long period of time which is quite amazing well, that's but what it's called isn't it? Is it the campfire tribe the campfire tribe exactly because people are in such close quarters sharing such awesome moments out in the bush you really bond extremely quick and you become part of this family this tribe that we have at the academy um, so just a, a slight rundown for you guys that didn't uh, listen to the previous podcast. Uh, a, a normal day would pretty much be go out in the morning either on a bushwalk, so out on foot, or do a game drive, then cover a lecture. Uh, we're covering 17, 18 modules now, I think. Um, and then in the afternoon, another activity. So we really spend a lot of time out in the field doing the practical side of it. And then, of course, covering the theoretical side. And that's when I had to, you know, sit up until 1, 2 in the morning, just going through my notes again and preparing the lectures. But in hindsight, and I've told you this personally, Craig, uh, I do believe it's actually making me a much better guide as well because having to go through all this info, which you unfortunately don't use that much in the guiding industry because typically people are here to see, you know, the bigger things, the bigger game. Um, so you're not really focusing on uh, your smaller things, your plants and grasses and all of that. Uh, so really nice. I'm very much looking forward to our next course that's starting in January. Um, so yeah, uh, as you know, we run it for half the year. I did yeah. that 90 day course yeah, yeah. and then we had about a two week break and then I started a trails course, which is that qualifies you to walk in the bush. Um, and that is an absolutely lovely course. That's my fourth time teaching that. So 
I uh, had my wits about it with that one and just really had a good time. You know, we did ARH, advanced rifle handling, so it's a lot of shooting, simulated charges, things like that, which obviously is used as a very much last resort out in the field, but you need to have that skill. After the ARH, the rifle side of things, um, then it's all about encounters. So we try and get a minimum of 10 on-foot approaches or encounters, as we like to call them, um, where you spot an animal or you track it down physically um, and you get a, a nice encounter, a good visual on-foot um, which often surprises people, especially students coming into it, how close you can actually get to game. Obviously, still in a very safe kind of viewing area, but you can actually get decently close, especially if you're talking about things like elephants. The eyesight is not that great. If you have wind in your favor, you can have a really, really cool experience on foot. So it's just been absolutely amazing to share that with students again. On, um, that, on that note, can yeah. I just stop you there for one second? Can, can you just elaborate to the listeners a little bit on like, basically, let's let's play through a scenario here. You... You see, you see an elephant on foot. Right. Talk, talk, let, talk us through your thought process as to how you're going about. Because you are, we've worked together many times, and you are by far one of the best guides I've ever seen and worked with, or had the pleasure of working with. And I just, I would love the listeners to know what what goes through your head. What are the first things you look for, especially when you have students? Because from my side, I have never done students before i've never uh, trained students i've always been dealing with guests right. it's obviously a very similar experience but you i talk just talk us through your thought process on what you do and how you do it there's an elephant 100 meters away you want to now make an approach let's go 100 percent. first of all thanks for that compliment i'll take that one all day anyway <laughs> you're a guy um, you but 100 percent. like you say very similar to the guarding situation of course safety comes first that's the biggest thing um, and like I just said, there's a, there is many ways to do a safe approach. Um, so pretty much, let's start from scratch. You see an elephant, let's say from you know 100 meters, 100 yards, something like that. Especially now in the winter, you can see quite far into the bush. First thing you always do is stop, stand dead still, and try and visually see and listen to what is around you. Because often, you know, elephants are not entire, especially bulls, you know, and they're not entire herds like we'll see with impala or something, so they can be quite spread out, even up to a kilometer or two. They're still work, walking together, but quite spread out. So you don't want to just see an elephant and say, fantastic guys, let's go and walk in that direction, because you might get yourself right into a circle of elephants and you'll be surrounded by them. So first try and get an idea of where all the animals are. Um, then the main thing is always wind direction. There's almost always a bit of a breeze, so I often take um, scrub hair poo, um, and that is a very, very fine uh, light, almost like dust if you crush it. And you just, I, I like to throw that in the air and you get a bit of a wind direction. Um, some people do it with um, some crate or something. I used to have an ash sock. Ash so yeah. sock. So a yeah. lot of people have their own way of doing it. But anyway, all, it all points to the same thing. You want to obviously go into the wind. Um, and that's for a couple of reasons. These animals, by far their best sense out there is their sense of smell. Um, so they'll pick up. You know, they'll pick up on the humans from quite a distance, especially, you know, we use shampoos and shower gel and all this. We smell very different to wild mm -hmm. animals out mm -hmm. there. So they pick up on that. So wind direction is important. It also helps with eliminating the noise. You know, the wind actually carries the noise. So it helps to eliminate that. Um, and then the approach, the way I like to do it, and especially in a teaching environment, it is very slow. It's not a rush thing. You know, people often want to walk in and you're excited. And how I always explain to students, you have one chance. If that animal picks up on you, then it's the end of the approach. Your cover be, is be it at 70 meters, be it at 15, 20 meters, you know, your cover is blown. So you need to take it slowly, um, move in with caution. I like to walk, stop, walk, stop, because you never know. Maybe there's an elephant that wasn't feeding. You couldn't hear it. Now suddenly you pick up on it. So it's step by step, slow, 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 approaching. 
like to use a bit of cover, you know, use the, the vegetation around you as cover um, to get as close as possible. And then the main thing is you're always looking at escape routes for yourself um, and also for the animal. Uh, because if that animal feels threatened, if he does pick up on us, and these things do happen, the wind turns, especially when you're going from the morning into the afternoon, um, as the heat comes, the heat rises and the wind tends to turn. Um, so when the animals pick up on you, they tend to, you know, the animals out here, they do fear us as humans. But now fear can lead to two things. The animal could either charge or try and, you know, warn you, get out of here. Um, or most of the time, 99% of the time, just move out of the area. But if he doesn't have an escape route, for example, if I'm approaching elephants down by the Ulifunge River, mm -hmm. um, that's not really an escape route. It can't just run through the water or escape or walk out in that direction um, if it had to in case uh, it, they picked up on us. So you want to make sure there's always a safe escape route for the animal and, of course, for the humans as well. Um, and like I said, a lot of stop and go. There's no need to rush into it. And then, of course, there's many, many things we look at in terms of whilst we're on the approach. How do we know that the animal is picking up on us? One of the main things you always look for is animals are most of the time feeding out there. So you'll see the elephant feeding and suddenly stops feeding. Now that is my first sign that the elephants may be picking up on us. Now what's mm. the first thing we do? You realize, it's, you realize something's not it's right. It's realize something is not right. Maybe, you know, it picked up on a smell or it, someone stepped on a little branch and that crack gave it away. And then it's important you just stand still. And very often, most of the time, if you just stand there still for a couple of minutes, the animal hasn't picked up on you further, he will continue doing his business. Um, so that's the process, how we get closer and closer. And of course, you never push the boundaries, you know, especially people like us that's been in the bush a long time. We know a lot of these accidents happen when people get complacent and you mm -hmm. go closer, closer, closer. Um, a very important thing to remember with this wild, with wild animals out there is if you go out in the morning and you approach an elephant, fantastic. You get within 25 meters, great on-foot sighting. Now, you go out in the afternoon, you see an elephant in the distance. You can't have the mentality, oh, it's going to be like this morning. Because just like humans, every animal is different. Every animal can have a good day, a bad day. Wake up with, you know. For sure. You know, you know what For I mean. Sure. You can wake up and you're in a bad mood. You're not in a bad mood. Is it an old elephant? Does it have an abscess in its mouth? Did the mom just lose a baby? You know, there's so many factors that you have to take in consideration. So you take every approach as if it's your first approach. Fantastic. That's very, very good insight. And I wanted to get that insight for you from like a training point of view and how you go about because I think there's a lot of people out there that um, that think walking in the bush, especially people that have not done trails or bushwalks, um, I don't think they're, they're, they think it's kind of just walking, but there's a lot of thought process and a lot of training that has to be done for trails guides to actually be good trails guides. And I think the trails guide... Um, uh, standard we have in South Africa is a really good one because Absolutely. we have people like yourselves training people um, and it it is for everyone's safety going forward. Absolutely um, and remember it's not it, it really isn't the standard that Fogasa has set now it is not easy to become a full trails guide. No. You're looking if you are working your backside off every day trying to get your hours and encounters up in your logbooks so or just a bit of a background it's all a logging system as if you let's say becoming a pilot or those of you guys that do scuba diving you know you log the amount of hours you're walking out in the bush and the amount of encounters and that all adds up for you to then go up from what we call an apprentice field guide or apprentice trails guide to a trails guide um, to eventually then a professional trails guide and that's all based on experience which as we all know is the most important thing because you actually get you know you've walked into 100 elephants you've walked into 50 lions you've walked uh, and therefore you can now be qualified as a lead trails guide so um yeah very important to spend time out there in the bush um, that's what that's what it comes down to, right? It, it's just it's out there, it's being out there. It really is, and and like you say, we have a good standard. Um, 
that's the point sorry i wanted to get onto it'll probably take you about three four years yeah. um from day one if you want to become a trail scout so it's not just you do a quick 28 day course yeah. like i said we just did that is pure entry level uh, the students that walk with me i'm leading all the walks they walk as participants just to see how do you do this how do you do an approach and of course a couple of the things i explain now i elaborate on massively with the students day in and day out um whereas i can you know say at the end i would probably trust them to walk me into a herd of elephants because it's such intensive learning mm. um even though it seems like quite a short period of time um it is amazing what you can learn actually in four weeks especially if you you know it's you you're forced to learn that due to the fact that you are literally these are not i don't want to push it into this extreme but it's like one mistake can kill someone oh, that absolutely. is that is how it is and i think you learn so much more when you know that is the potential consequence and that's why i res- we like i respect all trails guards out there um and we've done quite a lot of walking in the bush together yeah and um we have always lived by that and i think for guides out there that are listening to this it is complacency is your worst enemy never get complacent out there never push the boundary um Chris, talk to us a little bit about uh, these zones um, that you that that you teach your students from the animal point of view. Yeah, so I mean, if you, if you go according to the book, there is zones that we talk about. So you start in what we call the comfort zone of the animals. That is exactly as I just said. If the animal's feeding and has absolutely no idea you're there, there's no idea you're approaching it, it's in its comfort zone. Um, then we go into what we call the alert zone. If you now push a bit closer, ideally, you don't actually even want to get into the zone because now the animal is becoming alert, hence the name alert zone. Yeah. It is now stopping feeding, maybe turning its head, lifting its trunk, trying to smell and hear what is going on. It is becoming slightly aware of you. Not a dangerous situation as yet, Sure. but often the alert zone can then go into what we call the danger zone, um, or as they stipulate, it can be a critical zone. So it can go very easily from... I think when I learned it, it was called kill zone. <laughs> the kill zone, yeah, quite intense, because that is often if people keep pushing the boundaries, you don't listen to the animal that then starts warning you, um, and you keep pushing the boundaries, it can lead to you being killed. But now, of course, the zones, it's, it's not the same for every, you know, for every approach you do. A quick example, and we're talking about complacency. I'll take an example straight out of my last course. I'm not going to mention names for now, um, but they were all absolutely phenomenal guides and all actually in the industry working now. But we were probably three weeks into the course going out for our, well, our 50th walk out there. So people were getting a bit complacent and they're getting comfortable with the area. We've now already had 10 lion encounters, 20 elephant encounters, black runner, white runner. Mm. Um, we formed this nice trust as a, as a trailing group. And now, you know, what happened is the one guy was messing around a bit with the other guy throwing sand in his back. And, you know, whilst this is happening, I stopped and I say, guys, look, there's a time and a place for everything. We're in the bush. I know we're not seeing anything this morning, but you never know what you bump into. Promise you, two minutes later, it was just drizzling. The drizzles just stopped. We get fresh, fresh lion tracks on top of the rain. So I tell the guys, look here. Look what I just told you. Here's lions right here somewhere. Craig, I promise you, we walk on maybe 10, 15 meters and two lionesses pop up maybe about 20 meters ahead of us. That is a close encounter for lions, lions. as you know. Um, They do not let you come too close. They're very vigilant animals. But anyway, they pop up. Now, I'm aware. And I, sorry to cut you off, sorry. Um, But... Am I am I correct at saying it in the specific pride in the time frame? There were also females that had cubs. Cubs. I was about they, to say it. Sorry, I was aware ahead. that there was cubs around as well. So obviously my first thing is safety for my group, safety for the animals. So I get the group very tightly together. So we're one big unit. It's a bit more intimidating than being spread out. And these two lionesses pop up, flicking their tail, 
Funny enough, I actually expected a bit of a warning charge at that moment. Mm-hmm. None of that happened, most likely because the Cubs are in the area, Did you which I'll, I'll, get, I'll get to that part of the story now. Anyway, so these two pop up. So I ask my backup, Rassi, come and stand next to me. So he literally takes about a one meter step forward to come stand next to me to try and get an eye on these lionesses because they're now b- going behind the tree and I can't see exactly what's going on. So I tell him to step forward and as he steps forward, I promise you seven, eight meters to the left of us. So we've already passed this lioness. She pops up. So this is the third <sighs> one now. Right behind us also just gives a little bit of a, a bit of a grunt. So I turn around, tell the group, let's face her, because now the other two are kind of walking towards her, and that is too close for comfort. So I tell my backup to please take, there was a little rocky outcrop, um, which we call copies down here in South Africa. I tell them, take them up the copy there, please. I'll stay with the lions, because you have to stand your ground with these cats. Mm-hmm. And as they back off into this copy, maybe about 20 meters away, a fourth lioness pops up, literally in a half moon shape, to where we were standing surrounding us so it was a bit of a hairy situation and that just shows you how focused you need to be 24 7 we've been walking for two and a half hours we didn't see anything so you get a bit you know playful you started to think about what you're going to have for breakfast what you're going to have for breakfast and next thing four lionesses pop up right next to you and even worse they did have the cubs so as we get up into the copy we start hearing the cubs calling right behind us so now we're in a situation (laughs) where four lionesses in front of us we're on a bit of a vantage point on this copy so Decently safe, but a lion can easily get up yeah. there in a split second and then cubs calling behind us So really a bit of a hairy situation. I actually specifically in that situation called in a backup vehicle Yeah, just to come pick us up. I mean you don't take risks, especially no. um, Well, not not especially in training with anyone you don't take risks. Yeah. It's not worth it The lions are obviously in a bit more edgy those cubs at that stage were about three four months old So quite young those moms are going to be extremely protective still for sure for yeah. sure And I think I think that's just that's just a sign you know that you yes, your students were buggering around. That that is, that is, negligent. Being very negligent yeah. in the bush, and that's fine. But it just does show you that situations like this can and will happen. It happens regardless of how good you are. Yeah, and uh, obviously get to high ground. That is that is vitally important. I think when you are in this situation, you had an escape route. Get there. Yes, it did so happen that the cubs were behind you, but. The, where, where I'm backing you getting to high ground and backing the fact that getting up there was the best best form was the, the females, just to give you guys an idea, the females, lions, leopards, whatever the case may be, nothing's out here to kill us. No. Nothing is out here to purposefully come after us. As soon as you're out of their way, they're not going to climb that copy. They're going to want to go to the cubs because now there's a potential threat in the area. Am I right? Correct me if I'm wrong. No, no. There's a, poten- there's a potential threat in the area and uh, they want to get to the cubs as quick as possible. You are now out of the way. You're up a copy. It's fine. Calling in a backup vehicle, absolutely spot on. I, I back you 100% in what, what, what happened there. But it does show you that no matter how good you are, no matter how ethical you are, these situations can happen. And you need to be 100% on it and vigilant to actually handle the situation. And 100%, Craig. And this is where your training really comes into role. We talk about muscle memory. Things that you naturally should be able to do that's going to be... A life or death situation if you act wrong there if mm. one person decides oh no my you know my my brain says stay but my body says run you know we're in big trouble because there's now cubs on the other side yeah. and i think this is the reason yeah. they never did a warning charge because i think in their minds you have to always put yourself in the perspective of the animal in a dangerous situation if these animals now start charging us there's the potential for us the humans the group 
to disperse and get a fright and now we might go straight into the cubs and we're a potential threat for yes. them so they did not so it was actually amazing the behavior but again it just shows you and you say yeah these things can happen i'm telling you now you spend enough time in the bush it will happen it doesn't matter you can be the best trail scout in the world animals can pop out of nowhere the, you know this is their wild habitat we are by far the visitors here mm. yes we've learned some skills over the years from generation to generation to generation but example like this we just saw the tracks walked on one two meters boom here pops up the yeah. lines so these things will happen and if you don't have the right training and the right ma mindset in that situation you will get yourself into trouble for example they the first thing you do in that situation is stand and see how the animal reacts you can't some people is going to want to start reacting guys move here do yeah. this do this too much movement on a sensitive sighting like that is going to cause them to react so that's where your training really comes into role and it was yes the the students were mucking around a bit but what a great learning curve for 100%. them that um i promise you they will never muck around like that in the bush again because all of them walked back with brown pants after that so it was, <laughs> it was a bit of a scary situation to say the least but I, and i also love the fact is you know like um and I, i've i've been with you on a couple of these training walks uh once or twice when i've come to visit you because as you know, I'm the I'm the campfire mascot. Never studied there, but I'm there more than anyone. He's the f part of the furniture. <laughs> yeah, um, and um, I love yours and Tish's ethos around when we're walking in the bush. You always before the walk, you say, "Guys, there's a lot of guides here," because obviously I'm a guide, and uh, when Carolina's with us, she's a guide, and you always make it quite clear that I am in charge here, and I yep. think that's vitally important. You need to have someone. You in only charge. have one chief. And one person you're listening to, and I respect that so much, and I would do the same. Say, listen, I don't care who you are, we listen to one person. There is, and the worst thing you can do is go on a walk with your mates, and there's six of you, and you're all you're all qualified guides. Everyone has a different aspect on how they're going to handle it. And I think they're all six of them are going to handle it very ethically, but it's going to be different. And everyone, no one's going to be on the same kind of wavelength. Yeah. And it's just going to cause problems. And I think that if guides are listening out there, and you're walking with other guides... You listen to one person and everyone needs to go in, get into agreement on who they are listening to because that is step one to safe and ethical encounters 100%. and dangerous situations. You need to you need to have group control and uh, like you say, quite rightfully so, we all, you know, it's quite a tight-knit community so a mm. lot of our mates are guides and we do often go on these little bumbles by yeah. ourselves which is lovely and we're very mm. fortunate to be able to do that but if there's a dangerous situation, one person needs to take charge because you have to operate as a unit, as one body um, otherwise, if people start splitting up and this one's got this idea, this one's got this idea, um, doesn't matter how experienced yeah. you are, you, you're digging yourself a hole there, you're going to get yourself into trouble. 100%. And uh, moving away from trails a little bit. Yeah. Uh, one thing you did tell me after the, <laughs> after the training started within the first week, you said to me, you phoned me, you said, Craig, I've got, I've got two, two biologists that are my <laughs> students and they've got master's degrees or whatever they did. Uh, such a lovely start to me being a trainer because you absolutely. had to be 100% on it. I had to be on it, Craig. So I'll tell you what, that actually, it made me slightly nervous and I must say, it was amazing how it all worked out. And you, you know, it's also, it, it's the mindset about a lot of things. So when I walked into that lecture room the first time, I don't hold anything back. I said, guys, this is my first time I'm going to do this training. Fantastic. Not saying that, you know, this is going to be the worst You wasted your money. <laughs> not, not whatsoever. They all came to me at the end and said, absolutely phenomenal job, Chris, which was great. But I said, from the start, I know we've got two biologists here. We're here to learn from each other as Correct. well, especially when we started covering subjects like taxonomy. You know, the taxonomy we cover on an NQF2 level basis, an entry level for Gaza basis, is not that intense. 
um, compared to what these guys would have studied. So, you know, if they, and they did, yeah, and there, they threw in a bit of information, it was fantastic. And we all, you know, worked through it. But um, luckily there wasn't a situation where I felt cornered and I didn't know answer. I had to find Tish, uh, my mom, which is an absolute legend out in the bush. She's got like um, 17 degrees. Yeah, no, she's degree <laughs> after degree after degree. So no, it all went very, very well. And I'm sure it will just, you know, it's only one way and that's forward from here. It's 100% and again, amazing. and that's where I respected you so much where you have that approach of, we got to learn from each other. If I can learn yeah. from you and that... I'm not going to mention where I studied and the problems I had, but there was a couple of people, a couple of, because I had multiple instructors and I think that was a bit of an issue, mm. but it was a year course. So for to have one instructor throughout the year is a bit difficult, yeah. but we had multiple, multiple when I was training, but this is now years ago. I'm getting old, guys. Um, <laughs> Madala. And, yeah, Madala. I mean, that means old, old. in, in Shangan. Um, and uh, basically you, and a lot of them, not all of them, I met, you know, one that I'll mention that I respect so highly is Graham Cook. Yeah. He is amazing. In yeah, the bush. He did my level three assessment. He did, he did. And a ago. great guy. Yeah. He I respect so much. So shout out to Graham. And, um, but other instructors were like, it's my way or the highway. Yeah. This is what I'm telling you it is and this is right. And if you had, you could ask questions, but I mean, it was like, no, this is how it needs to be done. Mm. And I think that's so wrong. Why not take a group approach and, appreciate everything and i just felt it was a bit of a more of an ageist uh, yeah. toxic ageist society that training course that i did and don't get me wrong i think they taught me really well they taught me really good morals absolutely look where you are today exactly and um, i have them to thank but it's also experience that got you there exactly just on that note the thing is i think with a lot of people is especially if you're the instructor and i have all these people you've never met um you're forming a bond a trusting bond between them um a lot of people want to show you know i'm the knowledgeable one i'm the so they feel intimidated if yeah. someone says, oh, but Chris, you know, you know, in taxonomy, we knew there's a suborder for this, uh, for this species over here. Great. If I don't, I don't know, know, let's that. learn. Information <laughs> should be shared. You know, it's a, that, that's what it's there for. And it is, we're in a training, a learning academy. So if yeah. there's obviously 99.9% .9 of the stuff that was taught was coming out of my mouth. Um, but if there was a 0.1% or something, fantastic. Let's share it. Let's all learn together. You probably heard me say this many times, but knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. And um, I think that's it. And having that mindset of wanting to learn from each other. And that's how, we, that's how we've gotten so close. And we've just bounced off each other for years. Yeah. You, know, yeah, for you sure. don't know something. I don't know something. And we chat about it. And sometimes we, we have an argument or two. <laughs> such as laugh. Eh? Um, yeah. But it's, it's the fact that the knowledge is there. And I think both me and you are the first people to say, fuck, Craig, I was wrong. You were right. Yeah. And the first people to admit like, Thanks for that. Thanks we'll, for we'll teaching. We first argued that. for a while yeah, until, yeah, 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 until we yeah, opened yeah, the book yeah, yeah. and we're like, ah, you bugger, you were right and I was wrong type of thing. But that's um, part of the fun. Eh? It it's, is, uh, it you is. shouldn't, feel, intim you shouldn't feel intimidated with that and you should never, I think it's a very important point for younger guards coming into the industry. Never ever, if you don't know something, you're more than welcome to say you don't know it to your guests. People feel, oh no, they're going to think I'm the worst guard under the sun. Not whatsoever. You're actually no. showing a sign of respect to knowledge out there. You're saying, guys, I'm not too sure about this, but I'll open a book and I'll get back to you and make sure you get back to your clients. I promise you they will appreciate that to the moon and back and they will probably request you the next time they come to the lodge again. Um, and they're not going to walk away with an experience saying, oh, Craig didn't know half the things I asked. Well, hopefully it shouldn't be half, but let's say 5% <laughs> of the things I asked. They're going to say, oh, Thanks, Craig, Chris. Craig knew so much stuff, but you know, there was 
one or two things he didn't know, but you know what he did? He went straight, looked it up, and gave us a nice informative feedback about it. Really good advice, guys. Like, take that. Guides out there, people inspiring to be guides, take that take that advice, write it down, because I could not agree more. And it's what a lot of training providers do teach. It's one of the first things they actually yeah. teach you out there. And Don't I try think and BS your good. way through it. Yeah. No, 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 no. That's the worst. I've tried it in my young years, and it doesn't work. <laughs> no. It does not work. It'll catch because up. Because you don't, as a youngster, you in the industry, you don't want to be wrong. No one does want to be wrong. So it's it's not it's it's not the most ideal form of trying to communicate or building a bond with your guests. Rather say I don't know, because then you learn together. For sure. And like you say, that word is very important. Bonding, a, a, a guarded experience. You form me and you have spoken about this lots, and you know we we like to have a laugh about it, and we say we change people's lives, but. To an extent, you know, people come in these holidays, safaris are not cheap holidays, and their main thing is to go... I change lives. Uh, yeah, our main thing, <laughs> their main thing is to go out into the bush and experience nature, and we are the voices of nature for, uh, as the guides. So they're automatically going to spend a lot of time with you, and you guys are going to form this bond, so it's important. You're almost going to become friends, family yeah. over a long time if they keep coming back. Especially the business you and I are in now. It's yes. all ex-clients coming on these trips with us. Because they like They're experience. not going to bond with you if they feel that you are lying to them. Yeah. Blatantly lying to them yeah. because you don't know something. They're going to bond with you when you tell them, I'm not too sure. You're honest with them. Be as honest as a guide as you can be. I promise you it will take you far, far, far. In the industry. People appreciate that. And, um, okay, so tell, tell me a little bit about... Um, how the how the exams went from the students all went well. Do you have any super well? Now I really? must say I was um, very very fortunate with a couple of bright sparks out there. These guys were really on top of it. I think the lowest score we had, uh, oh, there was one that was slightly lower, but not that it matters. Everyone passed, so that's Fantastic. the amazing thing. Um, a couple of them got even 90s in the 90s for the exam, which is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, we, as you know, we do a couple of additional things in the course. And it's not tracks. an easy exam, guys. It's not easy, it really is not an easy exam, guys. You cover so many different modules. I mean, we're literally talking from taxonomy that I covered to astronomy to geology. To, like, you cover such a variety of things. And you really dive quite deep into it. So, it's a, for any of you guys that is interested in it, you should really, you can buy the book yourself and read through it. It's, it's extremely informative. Um, it, it's the Fugasa Inc. F2 book. Um, so, yeah, anyway if anyone's interested in that but uh, it is quite extensive so the guys did very well uh, we did do a week break that we didn't do anything before the exam so the guys can just study mm. um, and they can ask me questions and they can ask Tish she actually came through and did a bit of you know prep and stuff with them as well um, so we did prepare the guys well we pride ourselves on that uh, we've actually never had someone fail our academy um, we really go out of our way because we're quite a small academy we take a max of eight people we give people personal attention uh, where it's needed so again a massive congratulations if any of my ex-students are listening to this they absolutely knocked it out the park i even got a compliment from one of the really big guys in the industry james stain so on our course we offer a couple of extras and one of them is your cyber tracker tracks and signs uh, we pretty much identifying spur tracks um, and dung and signs you know that animals leave for us out there in the bush um, and it's a 55 question, so he circles, James stains now the assessor, so we went to the classeri, he circles a couple of tracks and dung samples and so, and then these guys have to come through and ID it, and most of them got level 2, level 3, which might not mean a lot to you guys, but Craig, you know what I'm talking about, it's quite wow. a high level for entry level guides, they yeah, really for, did for well. For the first time you're doing an assessment? For the first time for them doing assessments, so James Stain, he actually took me by the shoulder and he said, Chris, well done, these guys were very, very well trained, so yeah, blowing my own whistle a bit there, but uh, no, it, it's it, not, re it's, it really went well. It, uh, Honesty is the best policy, man. And um, I, I believe you also acquired level four. 
Yeah, what do you mean level four? Professional. Tracks, tra- uh, professional, yeah, tracks professional, and side. 100%, yeah, 100%. I got 100%, so that's, uh, yeah. 55 questions of anything that can be on the ground or a sign of an animal moving. You get 55 questions, you must answer them. There's no clues, you just need to be clued up, and Chris got 100%. 100%, yeah, that's that is a big chuffed. achievement, man. I was, thank you very much. I was very chuffed with that one. I did have a bit of a celebratory beer or two after that, which was well-deserved, because, um, yeah, well, I was training the guys to take them to the assessment, and I thought, you know, let me give it a crack before I've had level three, level three, um, and I mean... How many like, times have you tried, sorry? Uh, this is the third time third now. Time. Third so time it's not easy. Chris, I've, I've mentioned, I speak very highly of him in the bush. It's not easy to get 100% no. on any any test, any exam. But the bush is quite particular because they the, the professional questions, how many are there? in the? Because there's there's ones that are level one. one yeah, level so you two. go level one, level two, level three, depending on the difficulty. So to give you guys a bit of an insight to that, it's a really fun thing to do, the tracks and signs. I absolutely love it. Almost all the students I know absolutely love it. Um, so it's the difficulty of the track. So let's take something simple like a line track. Easy to identify a line track. If it's a clear track, you know it's going to be a, a one a one pointer. Mm. Um, if it's a you know one that has been half driven over by a car, elephant stepped over it, you go see half the track. That might be a two or three pointer, yeah. depending on how faded it is. But then, guys, it's not just about you know your big game tracks. We're literally looking at millipede tracks, centipede tracks, bird tracks. You have to be able to ID the different bird tracks, like. It really is quite intensive. So, yeah, that's why. Thanks again, Craig. That's why I was quite chuffed for myself no, for getting a 100%. Because even the previous times that I tried, I got level three, level three. That means you get one question wrong. Boom, level three. So, you can't yeah. get you can't get half a mark off. Yeah. It needs to be 100%. I've, done, I've, so. I've tried to push for level four, uh, level four three times. Yeah. And it's just, I just can't it, grasp it. One wrong. And it's so annoying. Well, and think, you get one yeah, wrong and you're like, no. Yeah, I got 98. So, I think I got, yeah, I think yeah. I got one or two wrong. And I was just, you know, you're so disappointed. But... I'm gonna give it a crack again when I can. 100%. Um, but uh, yeah, like go, backing what Chris is saying with how much, uh, how extensive the knowledge is. You know, you'll have a line track. Let's use the line track as an example, Chris. And uh, your assessor will be like, okay, I want species. Uh, is it back, uh, back foot or front foot? Is it left or right? Yeah. And I want sex. Yeah. And that'll be like a what six point question there. 100%. But you need to know because you can know these things. And I know a lot of people that come on safari don't know you can actually tell but yeah. you can tell if it's a left or right foot male female and if it's front or back foot and um yeah so that those are things that you have to learn uh because if you want to acquire something as a level four so it's not just something no, no, little, it's not just adding tracks it is exactly that like you say left foot right foot back front um direction that the species is going in that's obviously a slight bit more easy um, although some people with elephants will be surprised how often they um, they mix up which uh, which way the animals going, especially if it's not in soft soil, we can see the yeah, toe mark yeah, quite yeah. clearly. Um, but yeah, even even more than that, they, you know, on this exact assessment, James Stone asked a question. We had a hyena track, a spotted hyena track, um, and he did the same thing: west foot, left front, you know, back front. Um, and then he also asked, at what pace was this animal moving? Mm. Was it walking slowly? Was it walking at a normal pace? Was it running? Was mm. it? So you have to actually now visualize how does a hyena walk? How does a hyena run? How does a hyena, you know? And then you work out the foot. So it's actually it's it's quite it's it's quite an in depth. It's interesting uh, though, exam. because like it's a, really interesting from a foot point of view and a pace point of view. Obviously, we've worked in the industry. We know this, and we kind of be like, okay, this is quite easy. But to people out there that don't know that, and you know, I've, I, I talk a lot about tracking and tracks and signs with my tracker, of course, when I'm working with, with a tracker. And the pace of the animal is amazing because the back foot will always be in front of the, especially with cats, you know, with them usually direct registering with putting back foot on top of front foot. 
Um, that's what direct registering means, if anyone was, was looking to understand that. But when they're moving faster, the back foot is always in front of the front foot. Just a little piece of Yeah, uh, so that's knowledge. an example of how, of how it works, yeah. So, it's, yeah, of course, we know the pointers. Um, but for a lot of people, you know, it knocks them out the park. You know, I, I don't know, it was walking, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This thing was just, yeah. It was, yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, it doesn't matter where it was going, it was, yeah. But it's, um, uh, no, it's a fun course. I, I'll... Even though I've got my hundred percent, I don't need to do it ever again. But uh, I'll keep going every year with my students because you know you can never stop learning. You can never stop learning. You can absolutely yeah. never stop learning. And people such as James Stain has been in the industry for so long. That's the thing, guys. It doesn't matter who you are. You can be in the industry for sixty years. Tomorrow you can learn something new in the bush. There's so much to learn out here. Um, it is. I mean, it's endless. So and always strive for that. I always think you have to strive for that because that's also what makes it interesting. For example, we covered this last time. I was born and raised here in the bush. I've been here my yeah. whole life. Um, you know, people can start saying, "Oh, isn't it a bit boring? Doesn't it get a bit boring out there?" It will never get boring because I can learn every single day. The animals are constantly moving. The bush is changing. Look at the bush now. I mean, I just came back from Zanzibar. I left it was green. I get back now. It looks like a desert. Dramatic changes. You know, there's just so much happening around you, and with these changes, you get different species. Some go dormant. Some come here. So, like, I mean. It's just incredible. It's an amazing place to actually live and spend time. And, 100%. Um, like I, I remember a client a while ago uh, came to me and said, because he, he was talking to a colleague before he came on his safari, and he said to me, um, his colleague said to him, oh, where are you going on your vacation? He said, no, I'm going to South Africa. And uh, the colleague had been to South Africa, and he said, yeah, prepare to be homesick for the rest of your life because so yeah. many people come over here and they get this attachment, just exactly what you're saying, seeing these changes and, you know, just being here at one with nature and it, it, it makes you feel at home. Nah, you know? bush will steal your heart, eh? It does. And it does. It, does it steals a lot. I mean, look at this town we're in Hoodspray. Oh, the amount of internationals here is exceptional. And it's because people come here maybe at first on a safari and they're like, this is amazing. And they come back for a month and they explore kind of, you know, a town or something here around the bush. And the whole vibe, the whole style of living here is, is, is quite laid awesome. back. It's... Um, Everyone, you know, especially in this town, is either wildlife vet or conservationist or guide. or So everyone is... Like-minded. Like-minded, mm, that's the word. I Sorry, I'm Afrikaans, guys. So sometimes <laughs> the English words don't come as naturally as it does to Craig. Ah, um, no. So it, it's just such a lovely place and constantly, you know, sharing information and learning things about new properties and this and that. And, you know, every now and then you... <laughs> this crazy. I mean, we talk about lions and prides. And then I just came back from a 10-day safari trip with American clients and we were in the Waterberg. And, um, you know, in this area, because they're releasing new predators to the area, um, there was a pride of lions for a while, and then they split up. Now it's like solitary lionesses walking around there, which is things you're not used to. So the more you chat to people and the more you actually go see things and spread your wings, you, you learn keep about the dynamics. learning the dynamics yes. of these animals. And you never think, oh, no, this is a pride type of species. But no, they, they can, can operate solitary, no, no problem. I mean, there was, a, there, was the, there was a documentary that was made um, in... Uh, uh, Lua Plains called uh, The Last Lioness and it was okay she didn't have a choice it was the last lion on the Lua Plains this is years ago and it's a documentary about how she adapted and they did studies on her and how she actually was they did speed tests on her and she was hunting and running and moving so much f faster than uh, lions living in prides in other areas yeah. because she, she, needs to. Had, she was she was adapting to more leopard Leopard-like behaviors, yeah. that burst speed to catch animals to eat was was a lot faster. And she was just, her characteristics, she was sleeping a lot more in drainage lines than in the open clearings because she was a solitary lioness. Yeah, self, and you she need to would, hide. You need basically to, yeah. being, being a leopard, but a lion. 
Yeah. And uh, it's just amazing that you say that because it is it is incredibly interesting. But moving back to your training course. Yes. Favorite part of training these students over the last six months? Oh, the three month course. favorite part, favorite part. Craig, on the spot there. Yeah. Um, for me, it's always just incredible. Look, I'm a people's person. Yeah. Um, so I do love people. It was amazing for me to form this bond with these people and walk this journey with them. We pretty much, you know, when that, that's the real satisfying about training is compared to the guiding side is you are 110% involved in building the foundation for these guys coming into the industry. Yeah. And it is amazing to be a part of that. It's amazing to see how interested these people are and willing to learn. Um, so I'd say that is the highlight is watching these guys go from knowing, not, not even knowing what a knobthorn tree is to being able to identify 100 different trees, being yeah. able to track a lion, to you know, being able to provide a guided experience, to that to me was extremely rewarding. So I'd say that's the highlight. No, absolutely. I think that's a, that's a, that's a great highlight. I mean, I take myself, for example, I was straight out of Joburg, man, when I started yeah. in the bush. And you know, the fact that you know, 10 years down the line or 12 years down the line now, yeah, I am getting old. <laughs> um, uh, 12 years down the line. We are getting old. You're, you're getting not old. alone. You're not alone. The gray hairs are showing. Um, and, uh, you know, the fact that you can go and now confidently track a lion, a rhino, an elephant, and find tracks and find the animal. And, you know, it's, it, it, for me, it's a, a massive accomplishment. Um, I think an of accomplishment course. for anyone that does that. And uh, it's good to hear that that's your, that's your, your top, your pinnacle. And uh, you're excited for next year? Very excited. Very, very excited. Um, I will probably start focusing on that in a month or two. For now, Lovely. I'm jam-packed with safaris as well. Um, but very, very excited to crack back into it. And like I said, you know, this first one was a bit of a challenge. It was a lot of hard work, but very rewarding. Um, you know, I just mentioned the reasons why. Um, and I think it's it's going to get, I don't want to say it's going to get easier because it's not that it was tough and I'm standing there yeah. saying, you know, this is horrible. It's just, it was it was a lot of work. It was because I've been guarding for so many years, same as you, it becomes a second nature. It's for almost sure. not like work, you know what I mean? For sure. It's Whereas going back into this, it's fresh, it's new again. Um, it, it was a bit more like work hard to yes. put in the long hours, but super rewarding. So yeah, very much looking forward to it. it. Used to be at a textbook at like two o'clock in the morning. I remember chatting. Yeah, <laughs> and I was tired. Eh? Whenever yeah, you phone me, tired, I was tired. Eh? I was tired. tired, and that's the, that's the one thing. It's the only thing from the training perspective is you are everything to those students. You their friend, you their trainer, you their psychologist, you they. So it really it can become quite emotionally draining if you don't get enough sleep. And in. mentally. And mentally. Um, because you're constantly with these people, but I mean, I would do it over and over again, and I'm doing it over again in January. So and uh, yeah, this is this is going to be you're you're keen to stick it out, and this is quite a quite. I'm going to give it a good crack for a couple of years. Nice. Um, I think that's only fair to myself, uh, fair to the legacy we've built there at the mm. academy from a family. So we're a family-run academy, um, and it is something I'm very interested in. Um, so yeah, I'm going to give it a good crack, and I've got a good balance now between the training and the guiding. Mm. Um, so yeah, only only going forward from yeah, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, before we sign off, we're just about to sign off, guys. Chris, any advice to aspiring guides? Um, guys, if you, if you love nature and you want to get out there, go for it. Don't feel, you know, a lot of people get demoted by, oh, we've met so many guys now. These guys are so well qualified, you know, you know. Deterred. Deterred. <laughs> Sorry, there we go. There's the Afrikaans side. Don't get deterred from, from doing it because there's so many qualified guys around and you feel like you're not going to get work. You're not going to. This industry is absolutely booming. Um, there's a lot of work for people out there. If you love it and you're going to be a passionate guide, I promise you there's a long, long, nice road ahead for you. 
um, that can be very, very successful. And you can go in so many directions. Look at what Craig is doing. Look at what Carolina is doing. Look at what I'm doing. Um, it does not just mean you're going to be sitting in a game via guarding for the rest of your life. Obviously, you're going to start there, but you can go in so many directions from there. Um, so just rock and roll, guys. Go for it. Go for gold. Go. Give it horns. Give it horns, Give Papa. Give it horns. There we go. All right, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. Chris, thanks so much again for coming on for a second time. Um, oh, amazing to hear that you're doing a good job. And, and I'm looking forward to seeing what you what you keep doing. And I'm sure you'll... I'm sure... You, well, I am 100% sure you are going to be back for a part three. I want to be back for a part three. It'll be like a thanks for having me, Craig. I appreciate it. And Carolina, who's not here at the moment, but thanks to her as well. I'm sure she'll be doing a lot of the editing and so on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, thanks for having me back and I'll be sure to tune in again. All right. Thanks, Chris. Cheers, guys. Cheers, folks.